Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, where we have a podcast that talks about making money, keeping money, investing money, and doing it with an extraordinary team. So we look at all areas of your money. I mean, money is with you from the day you walk on the planet to the day you walk off the planet. And no one teaches proper conversations about money. Today, we're going to talk about expanding your mindset, your opportunities. I always say, if you want a you know, millionaire mindset, you better hang out with us. <laughs> you can assume what we do. You can hope to guess what millionaires do. But until you're really in the presence and the lifestyle and the spending and the thinking, you don't really get it. So today I have Michelle with me. She has been at our big table. She has a company that talks about awareness strategies, brand new book out. So congratulations on your book. I'm going to actually start you there, Michelle. Talk a little bit about your background and kind of the purpose of the book and what does it tell people? Awesome. Thanks. Well, it's called the Business Ownership Mindset because there is absolutely a difference between an employee mindset, which most people have. They've been trained to have all of their lives when they went to school in jobs that they've had anywhere they go. People always enforce and reinforce the employee mindset. But when people decide that they want to transition out of that and they go into something like sales, they have to understand that there's a different mindset around that in order to be successful in sales that doesn't apply to an employee. Likewise with management and when you go into an entrepreneurial role, it's even completely different. As an entrepreneur, though, as you probably noticed working with a lot of entrepreneurs, is that they still tend to, even if they're running their own business like a solopreneur, they're still not in the business ownership mindset because there's a different way of thinking that needs to be embraced in order to take on staff, in order to take on more business, in order to be able to step out of the role of being so important in the business itself to be able to run the business. Yeah. When you talk about that mindset and that ownership mindset, I mean, I know it, I see it all the time. People will get their job, they'll come into our coaching or mentoring, and then they're still treating me like I'm their boss. So there's this, what I call boss mentality that people have a hell of a time getting away from. Can you speak to not only like, I mean, I think we all kind of know why, but speak to that. And what are some things you do to help people get out of that? Nice. That is absolutely what I'm talking about. And they really don't know how to operate their day. So a lot of people, the first mistake they make is they'll sit down at their desk and they'll go and check their email, hoping that a client has put in an order so that they know what to do for the day because they're looking for direction from somebody else. And it's the completely wrong way to look at a business because then you're just redirecting that locus of control, as I call it to somebody else. So whether they're looking at their coach or they're looking at their clients or they're always looking to somebody to tell them what to do and how to do it. A lot of the mistakes they make too, or they'll go to professionals, they'll get a team around them, but then they still go to the accountant and go, okay, here's my books. What do I do with it? And to me, it's the completely wrong way of looking at it because they haven't taken that locus of control internally and said, okay, I'm the one that's running the show now. I'm the one that's doing things. And I have to be the one that says, I know what I want. And I'm going to go out to the team and figure out how to get it done. It also helps that 
the team that they have around them is looking to them for the direction. And that's a, again, it's a completely different way of looking at things and they have to be able to do that. So one of the things that I focus on, especially in the book, is just understanding the concepts that need to be owned as an entrepreneur first and then as a business owner. The other thing is people have to understand that they need to have an entrepreneurial mindset first before they can have a business ownership mindset. So what I also noticed was a lot of high-level C-level people in companies will get a buyout and then they decide to go and buy a business. And all they essentially do is go and buy themselves a job. They know how to hire people. They know how to train people. They know how to run a company, but it's their company. So it's a completely different mindset. Some of them will go and get a board of directors in order to be able to help compensate for that. But when they really understand how to take that focus of control internally and start directing, I need to honor my own time. I need to honor my own choices and my own decisions. I need to be the one that's making the moves here. That's kind of paramount to the whole initial shift. Does that make sense? It does. And so talk a little bit about where kind of you got the content. I mean, obviously you got the content because you've lived through it. Kind of break that down into the more segments. Like how does someone really get it? You know, I always say Michael Gerber talked about it, the e-myth a lot about becoming that owner, because typically somebody who's a high tech person says, well, I can do it better than the owner. I'm going to go start my own company. And then they struggle and struggle. And I think a lot of it is this piece. No one's going to get you up in the morning. No one's going to get you motivated. No one's going to be the one to tell you what to do or give you approval. There's all those kind of odd psychologies that are blended in this. So just Mm -hmm. dig deeper and maybe if there's some segments and tips you can give people to how to break that. Yeah, well, how I do it to answer the first question is we've developed a process we call success therapy and it basically helps people to get to the root cause of why they do what they do in the first place, what their beliefs are and help them to rewrite them. But basically there's three ways that we change our beliefs and one is through reason. And as soon as we know and understand something better, we go, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. Second is through repetition. We hear it over and over again. And then eventually, hopefully, we buy into it. And third is through emotional charge, which speeds up that repetition and speeds up the ability for somebody to be able to learn something faster. So this whole idea or notion that it takes 21 days to get a new habit is a crock. It doesn't. The more emotionally involved you are with something, the faster you'll change and the more rational it is, the more you change. So going back to your initial point that people need to hang around in your community in order to be able to understand the millionaire mindset is paramount because they will only be able to see the difference in how these people operate. And by seeing it, they'll go, oh, okay, I get it. They're doing something obviously different. And the obvious difference is they're not afraid to self-express. They're not afraid of what other people think of them. They're not afraid of making tough choices and decisions. They have that control internal. And basically, if somebody's going to kind of go, okay, I'll do it myself, it's wrapping their mind around who they give their control to and at every given opportunity they have. So as soon as they get mad at somebody in a conversation, where's the control? It's obviously with the other person because they tick them off. So if somebody else is ticking you off, then you're giving them your control. So until you're saying, I'm pissed off because I did something, well, then you're taking control of it and now you can do something about it. So you have a guide to self-expression, right? To building a seven-figure business. Talk a little bit about deepen the how-tos. How is someone listening to the podcast dig deeper and say, okay, I'm going to take these tips for better self-expression to get to that seven figures and own, like really own the company. And it's every aspect. It's, mm. it's marketing. 
it's accounting, it's HR. I mean, it's full ownership of every area. And I see a lot of beginning, they kind of go to their wheelhouse. They'll focus on the thing they're comfortable with, not all aspects of their company and ownership. Oh, good point. So when they transition, so say somebody goes, hey, I'm really good with jewelry and has started a jewelry business. Awesome. Fantastic. It's an initial form of self-expression because they're taking that thing that they do well and they're going, okay, I'm going to go into business and I'm going to do this. And then all of a sudden, like you say, they need to receive cash somehow. So at the end of the day, they need to reconcile it and they go, oh, well, I'm no good at math. So I'll just hire somebody out to go and do it. The whole premise of e-math is people will abdicate that to somebody else so that they don't have to learn it, so that they don't have to take ownership of it and feel uncomfortable doing it, which is the exact wrong way to go about it. Because when you have resistance towards doing anything, you're not really expressing and saying, oh, no, I'm just not good at that. What you're doing is rejecting the part of you that could be good at it. So in overcoming the resistance towards something and saying, okay, well, what if I was good at math? What if I did like this? What if it was a game? What if I made it more fun or interesting or whatever it is that somebody's looking for in figuring out how to reconcile their banking at the end of the day, at the end of the month, they're doing their taxes at the end of the year, is when you give yourself permission to take something on that you might not be good at or you might not be interested in, then you find out what you're really made of and you find out that you may in fact be really good at math. You may find out that you're really good at strategizing the financial components of it. You might find out a lot about yourself. Once you understand it to the extent that you can overlook somebody else doing it and they have questions for you and you can answer those questions because you know when you're in there, then you've fully expressed. Now, I'm not saying you have to go and study accounting in order to be good at doing your books at the end of the month, but just letting go of the resistance that you might have towards math or accounting or strategic analysis of numbers, that becomes paramount in figuring out who you are in the big picture. And it also becomes paramount in making the million-dollar decisions, because if you can't figure out the $1,000 reconciliation, you're certainly not going to be able to wrap your head around a million-dollar reconciliation. Well, and I think there's also a part of learning... To know what you're really good at. I always Mm -hmm. say strengthen your strengths, hire your weaknesses. So at what point do you help people with the decision making of knowing? I mean, you got to know a little bit as an owner about a lot of stuff, but you don't have to be the expert. So how do you help people guide that line of, as I teach, you know, lead it, don't do it, hire the people that are the real experts. But how do you teach that line of knowing when they hire versus when they should just be doing it? My kind of guide is that if you have a ton of resistance towards it and you don't want to do it, you need to learn something about it because you got to get rid of that resistance towards it. But doesn't mean you have to take it on yourself. So even initially hiring a bookkeeper right off the bat as soon as you start your company, even if it's your very first company and you have somebody else taking care of the books, it's a give and take of learning what's going on and how they're doing it and not just trusting them completely to do it because again then you're giving them control so you can hire out your weaknesses absolutely do that bar none and figure out what it is that's limiting you to understanding how it works and how it operates so when you talk about this business ownership mindset how do you know when you arrive is there like a place where you just say i get it well that's a good question is there (laughs) you got there i haven't met anybody yet but (laughs) You know you've got it when your company is running effectively without you being in it 24-7. 
So as soon as you can walk away from your company and know that it's being run effectively and that you can call in and go, hey, what's going on here and there? As one person once put it, he goes, as soon as I go back, I know I've reached this business ownership when my staff wants me to leave because it operates better without me than it does with me. So in being able to get to the point where you're running an empire, where you have multiple offices going and you have multiple businesses that are effective without you, yeah, you're definitely there. Okay. So what actions would you give somebody that's listening to our call right now? So tomorrow they're going to get up. So first I would say there's what assessment do they do with themselves? What are some daily things they could do to start walking towards this ownership mindset? In addition to hanging out with us. I mean, being around us who do it, I think is the number one. I love the peer interaction. But what would you tell people kind of step-by-step after listening to the podcast? So I'm going to start today. Now, what do I do? Excellent. So first thing in the morning is planning out what do you want your day to look like? So it might be going through in your head, what meetings do you have? What appointments are got going on? Whatever you have in your day already scheduled and then assess, okay, how do I want that to go? What's my end goal? What result do I want that appointment to have and come to fruition? And just going through the day and taking ownership of it. What problems are coming up? Who are you abdicating those to? And how do you start to take control of the outcome of those issues? And it might be hiring somebody different. It might be going and getting another resource that can do it right. But you're still taking ownership of whatever those problems are. So what you can do right now after this podcast is looking at the areas of your life and in your business, any area of it that causes you anxiety or stress or frustration, or there's a problem that's not being solved the way you want it to be solved, a thing that's not going in the direction that you want it to, start looking at it and go, okay, what action can I take right now in order to begin to rectify that problem? If I have anxiety around an issue, what can I do in order to start resolving this issue? It's all about being able to take control back internally of how you want your day to go, how you want your problem solved, what actions are you going to take, and what results are you going to get at the end of the day? All right. So I know you have a book and it's been released. Where do people find it? Talk a little bit about the experience of writing a book as well. Absolutely. They can find it on Amazon.com. Just do a search for business ownership mindset and that'll come up. All sales right now are going through Amazon. So that'd be awesome. The process of writing the book was most entertaining. It's been in the plan, if you will, for several years. What really got me to actually take action on it because I said, okay, clearly I'm not going to sit down and write because that's not happening. What do I need to do in order to get this book out? I said, I need to have a conversation with somebody and have the interview. So I borrowed a friend of mine and said, I I need you for a few hours. We're going to go through the outline of the book and what I want to talk about. I'm just going to record it and transcribe it. And we're going to at least get started from there. That was the biggest turning point there was because that was my frustration was this book is not getting written. I know it needs to be written because it's in my head and it's occupying my mental space And there's other books that I wanted to, well, there's just more books that I need to write and get that information out there. So the one thing that I knew I could do was to speak and to talk to people and have a conversation. So that's how we initiated that process. We've had a ton of support in being able to get it to international bestseller. We had a book coach. I had a ton of people helping me with the cover, with the editing. It was an absolute village to raise this child. It was not me, I assure you. 
So what are the books that you have that are uh, in your mind? So here's what I always say to folks that are listening, not only to the podcast, but I think books come to people when you deliver them. So many people I hear year after year after year say, I need to write a book, I need to write a book, and no more content comes because I think that's really the law of attraction is when you have all this amazing content and knowledge, you need to give it, which is in the process of book, an audio book, however your folks do that. So I think once you start getting them out, more and more content comes. So mm-hmm. what are the content is coming that will just enhance, edify, and build on what you started? Well, one of them is on strategic building. So it's on how to think strategically, because I think a lot of people that go into business still carrying on that employee mentality are always thinking tactically. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And they don't have a big picture and they don't understand how to strategize from what they want to create down into the tactics so that they're not just doing stuff randomly and none of it's actually accumulating the results that they're looking for. So one is definitely on strategic thinking. Another one is on creating systems within a business and understanding that systemizing your business isn't just necessarily about the IT that's involved in it and setting that up, although that is an important system to have in place, but to really understand once you systemize a business, whether it's a sales process, marketing processes, whatever it is, and then it has the capacity to be able to run on its own and you have the ability to be able to hire the people put into place and you know what those are. You're not just randomly hiring people hoping that jobs will get done and the business is going to grow. And then what would happen after that? I'm just going to push you to put out your next two or three books just to say you have it out and it's recorded and then it's documented and then you got to go do it. And now I got to go do it. That's a great question. I haven't wrapped my mind around that one yet. Any ideas pop into your head of going while I'm talking to you? I think it'd be a really good idea if you wrote a book on. Uh, pushing people to eight figures. And big leadership, like one of the favorite activities that I love to do in this ownership mindset is to have folks design their organization chart without them in it. So truly taking the chairman role and what that means to release. So there's part of this interesting bell curve, I call it, where you leap, you start your company, and then you grow into this ownership mindset where you own, which I think at that moment, you are then never to be hired again because it wouldn't even occur to you. And then there's a place where you have to release and kind of build into a team where you manage by dashboards and reports, not by putting your hands on the keyboard at any time. I think that's an interesting trajectory for uh, people to grow through in their lifetime. Absolutely. It is super fun to watch. Well, and I think the other key part of kind of creating an eight figure business is in realizing that people aren't just kind of one string instruments. So even the jewelry maker that goes into business, eventually there's going to be another skill set there to go, hey, I want to develop this side of it. Because clearly all of your businesses are not all, I mean, they all make money, but they're not all directed to the process of making money, right? I mean, you got oil and gas, you got real estate, you've got a ton of different things that are fun and interesting. And I'm sure in the development of those, you've realized that you're not just a speaker and a book writer, although you're awesome at it, that there are other areas where you shine. Absolutely. So, Michelle, I'm going to let us go for this moment. Again, any of you that are interested in her book, go to Amazon again, talk a little bit about the book, where they find it, your name, how do you spell your name, because your name is interesting, like my name, and they spell it wrong. So let's get it all right so they can go get your book at Amazon. Awesome. Absolutely. Go to Business Ownership Mindset and search that on Amazon. That'll be the fastest, easiest way. 
My name is Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Nedelec is N as in Nancy, E as in Edward, D as in David, E-L-E-C. And it is French. Because that's the next question. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you being on. And all of you, this was a critical conversation. So many of you are going to say, you know, solopreneurs and why here solopreneurs. I just think pain and suffering because you're doing too much. And not only are you doing too much, you actually are no good at the things you're doing. Not really. And you need to be handing it off to big teammates, which means you need to learn to make some money. So go to asklaurel.com. It's A-S-K-L-O-R-A-L at any time. You can ask me any question. It goes directly to my team. It's up level to me as needed. And you can ask a question, make a request. And also our event page is all up to date through the year. So go to liveoutloud.com and click on the event area. And it will give you all of the places that we're going to be doing our three-day off Wall Street. We're going to be doing real estate tours. And those of you that are in our mastermind called The Big Table, you'll meet us there. And uh, Michelle, look forward to seeing you later this year. It was good seeing you in Calgary. Absolutely. It was fantastic. Love getting back into the swing of things. Absolutely. And good luck with your next book. I'd start it right away. And all of you that are out there, get your books out of your head and onto paper. That's all the book is, is your brains on paper. And get it to Amazon. Look forward to our next podcast on Laurel's Real Money Talks. We'll be in touch soon. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmire, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question, and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.